0: Welcome
1: to Active Shooter, the podcast.
2: After decades now of mass shootings, mass Mass shootings, shootings, mass mass shootings, shootings, we haven't found the answer. A
0: tribute to the victims of two mass shootings. A tribute to the victims of two mass shootings.
1: Thank you for listening to Active Shooter, the podcast.
2: You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised.
3: Trying to piece together just what led to yesterday's massacre, the worst single day shooting in the nation's history. The site of the tragedy, Aluby's Cafeteria, is along Highway 190 in the central Texas town of Colleen. Channel 8's Robert Riggs is live in Colleen now with the latest developments. Robert. Police are now trying to determine why a very angry young man chose this Luby's cafeteria to turn it into a deadly shooting gallery near this time yesterday. The gunman drove his truck into the cafeteria, then coldly, calmly got out of the truck and began going table to table executing his victims. Twenty-two people died in the carnage. Uh, Police say that they are puzzled by his motivation for doing this. They have been collecting some information into a psychological profile that is giving them some tips as to what may have been his motivation. Police also say that there does not appear to be any ties between the deceased gunman and employees or dining patrons at Lupi's:
1: A loner, an oddball, few friends. It seems that we are seeing a pattern with the shooters that we have covered thus far. This episode is no different as we dive deeply into the shooting that happened at Luby's Cafeteria on October 16th, 1991. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the no notoriety pledge and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story while remaining true to our pledge in not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as Jason. National Bosses Day was on October 16, 1991. Many employees were treating their bosses for lunch in honor of the holiday. There were about 150 people eating lunch at Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas on this day.
2: It was a beautiful fall day, and I had just finished up with my patients that morning, and my father and mother came in from the local golf course and asked if I'd like to go eat at the cafeteria. The place was packed, um, more so than usual. So we weren't able to sit in our usual spot, and we went and sat off by a wall.
0: The place was full of about 160 people there that day, I believe. And we sat at a little two-man table over against a window. There were two big plate glass windows and sort of a small brick column between it. Mike and I began this kind of different conversation. And he was telling me about a funeral he had just been to and how well it was attended. And so he began to half-jokingly say that if I were to die, that there'd probably only be two or three people show up at his funeral, and that would be his family. I looked at him and said, Mike, you're my buddy. I love you. I'll be there at your funeral.
1: At 12.39 p.m., right in the middle of the lunchtime rush, a 1982 blue Ford Ranger pickup truck crashed through the large window located at the front of the restaurant.
0: I looked to my left out the plate glass window and I saw the blue Ford truck as it made a circle around past my truck and was headed straight for the window behind Mike. As I saw him coming, I could see his eyes. They looked like fried eggs. They were just white Almost no pupil look. Uh, it, it was I've never seen anything quite like it, and I, I thought it was a lot of fear because it's, I, thought, I figured his accelerator had stuck.
2: All of a sudden, this truck came blasting through a floor-to-ceiling window, maybe 15 feet from me. It happened to be right where we normally sat.
1: At first, the patrons of the restaurant thought that a terrible auto accident had just occurred. A truck that was just on the roadway outside was now in the middle of the restaurant.
2: Of course, I thought it was an accident. The truck came all the way in. He knocked over a number of tables, and people were knocked over and injured as the truck came to a rest. And it was still bouncing on its shock absorbers. It came in at such a great pace and, and stopped so abruptly.
1: Two of the restaurant guests immediately ran over to the truck to offer medical attention to whoever was inside. Before they could get to the truck, a man wearing a green shirt leaped out of the driver's side door, holding a pistol in each hand, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, and his pockets packed full of bullet magazines. Jason immediately started shooting, and then he walked around in a large circle, yelling different phrases such as, It's Payback Day, and This is what Bell County did to me. He wore a smirk on his face as he began taking the lives of innocent people.
0: So I jumped up, I first aid and CPR certified, and so I, I jumped up to run around because there was an old couple sitting there at that, that plate glass window. As I circled around the left-hand corner of his tailgate, all of a sudden his, his left arm came out with a 9mm Glock, uh, semi-automatic. And there was a female cashier standing there, and he shot her twice in the chest. It like threw her backwards. I couldn't believe what was going on. And with his other hand, apparently he opened the car door and started getting out. And as he's getting out, I'm standing there facing him, you know, like five foot from him. But he started firing down the serving line, which was at a probably a 40 degree angle from where he was standing. As fast as he could go, he was just shooting uh, down the firing or down the serving line, making people, you know, trying to take control of the room.
1: People started fleeing and hiding under whatever they could find. The terrified guests hid under overturned tables and chairs while others fled to the bathrooms to hide. One woman hid in a freezer and was later treated for hypothermia. A Luby's cafeteria employee hid for cover in the restaurant's industrial-sized dishwasher, and he was so terrified that he didn't come out of the dishwasher until the next day.
0: People started screaming and you could hear the wailing and people yelling, I'm hit, I'm hurt. Uh, People were pushing their tables over and ducking behind the tables, and uh, it just went like flash, uh, instant chaos, and everybody flipped into survival.
1: Rather than firing random shots, it appeared that Jason was concentrated on delivering fatal shots. For instance, 10 of the 23 victims that were killed were shot fatally in the head. Some of the victims were holding hands even though they were strangers. Others were praying both alone and with each other.
0: On a semi-automatic, when you run out of bullets, the breech comes back and stays back. And when it came back, that's when uh, Doty yelled out, his gun is empty. That's when Doty and I jumped up and grabbed the chair we thought we would exit. He turned and looked at us, and there was an eye contact for just like a, a couple of seconds. Imagine your worst horror. This guy was horrible looking. I mean his face was tight, it was drawn and the eyes were just unbelievably white and large Uh, and he pulled out another gun and he came out with another gun just like, I don't even know where it came from and he fired three shots at us so we spun and, and fell to the ground and when we hit the ground I turned to look and he had already ejected the clip and was coming in with another clip for the gun that was empty so it He had two guns going from that point on, just nonstop. He began a clockwise motion throughout the restaurant and um, just constantly shooting and screaming and yelling at the women in there, calling them all vipers and bitches, and look what the women of Bell County has done to me. Is this worth it? I'll make you all pay. I'm going to kill you all.
1: An auto mechanic, Tommy Vaughn, was named a hero that day. At 6 feet 6 inches tall and weighing 300 pounds, he selflessly threw himself through a window inside Luby's, thereby smashing it and creating an escape for victims trapped inside the restaurant. Tommy would be treated for deep cuts on his shoulder from the glass, but his life, as well as the lives of many others, were saved.
2: My mother and I were up in a front corner that we really had no way out. The gunman and his truck were blocking our exits. I heard a window way at the back, the opposite end of the restaurant, being broken. And I thought, oh my God, here comes another one. You're still looking for an explanation at that point. But then I saw people getting out that way. And unlikely hero had thrown his own body through that window to create an escape route. So when I would peek up across the top of our upturned table, when I saw what I thought was a chance, I stood up, I turned around, I grabbed my mother by the shirt collar. I said, come on, come on, we got to run, we got to get out of here. And then my feet grew wings. I thought, for sure, he's going to see what I'm doing, and he's going to turn around, and he's going to shoot me in the back. And I, I just, that waiting, every time I heard the gunshot, waiting to feel it uh, was, was, was dreadful.
1: Witnesses said that there was very little screaming, neither from Jason or the victims. Other than a few random phrases that Jason yelled, there was an eerie silence that took over the inside of the restaurant. Police arrived at what was now a crime scene, and Jason immediately refused to surrender or come out of Luby's. In 1991, there was very little training for police officers in regards to what to do in case of an active shooter. Using their gut instinct and police training, they decided to penetrate the building and stop the threat. Once inside the building, they immediately started exchanging gunfire with Jason, striking him with bullets four times in the chest. After being struck, he fell to the ground, rolled over on his back, and delivered one final bullet into his own head. At 12.52 p.m., 13 minutes after crashing his truck into the restaurant, Jason was dead. He left 23 people dead and 27 wounded.
0: He started shooting at the police. They shot one round and caught him somewhere in the in the forearm, and he dropped one pistol on a plate of food. And he ran back into an alcove of the bathroom uh, or between the two bathrooms. He was trying to get into one of the bathrooms, but there were patrons in both of them that were laying on the floor, holding the doors closed. So he was forced. he was he was hidden behind a, a partial wall and started a gunfight with the police. And he took real careful aim and he shot two shots that hit the gunman in the midsection. Well, it didn't kill him, but he dropped to the floor at that point. He realized he was dying. He realized it wasn't going to work. So he was also, wasn't out of bullets, but all the clips he had left fit the gun that he dropped earlier. So he's shelling them out one at a time to fire back at the police. And he finally put the gun to his left temple and he shot himself. I mean, just almost immediately, I could hear orders. You could hear sirens, all of these things going on but I, I heard somebody just behind me start yelling, dead, 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 dead. And I rolled back to look to see who, who was yelling. It was EMT, they finally let them in. He saw me alive and he yelled, we have a live one. That was some pretty good word, best words i heard, I guess, through the whole 12 minute ordeal. I was shot in the back, uh, actually it was in the upper hip and it came out my stuff. It, it actually didn't come out because I was laying belly on the on the concrete. I missed my backbone by a half inch, missed all the major nerves, missed all the major arteries, but yet it was life-threatening. I didn't have to have a blood transfusion, but they said it was so close, and they almost lost me a couple of times on the operating table. But everything's healed up, everything works, and um, everything's good now. Just an ugly scar.
1: During their initial investigation, investigators concluded that it appeared Jason had a deep hatred for women. With 14 of the 23 people that were killed being women, it certainly seemed that he could have been singling out women during his rampage. But if that was true, why didn't he shoot only women? And why did he allow a mother with her 4-year-old child to leave the restaurant safely? Some questions we may never have the answer for. Due to time constraints, we will not be able to go into the detail about every victim that was killed that fateful day, but you can find a link in the show notes that includes information about all the victims that lost their lives that day. Dr. Michael E. Griffith was a veterinarian from a nearby town called Copperas Cove. Most people referred to him as simply Dr. G. He was at Luby's cafeteria meeting with a friend of his, Pastor Kirby Lack, for lunch. As they were catching up on each other's lives, the blue pickup truck came blasting through the window. Dr. Griffith was the first one shot as he ran towards the truck to see if he could offer help for what he thought was an automobile accident. As he was heading towards the truck, Jason got out and fired his first shot, killing Dr. Griffith. Pastor Kirby Lack also went towards the truck to offer help, and when Jason fired at him, Pastor Luck was able to leap out of the way just in time, narrowly missing the shot Jason fired at him. Pastor Lack dipped his fingers in someone else's blood and smeared it across his face, laid down, and held his breath, pretending to be dead. Even when Jason kicked at him, Pastor Lack laid limp and didn't move a muscle. Jason fired a shot next to the pastor's head, missing him, but causing Pastor Lack temporarily deafness due to the noise of the blast. Susanna Hupp sat at a table with her parents, enjoying lunch when the massacre started. Susanna usually carried a small firearm with her, in her purse at nearly all times. At the time, there was a law forbidding her from carrying a firearm into a public place. Afraid of losing her chiropractor license, she opted to leave it in her vehicle.
2: I watched him come around the front of the truck. We were on the passenger side of the truck. He would take aim, pull the trigger. Then he'd walk to the next person and he would take aim and pull the trigger. And that's when I thought, I've got this guy. I've got him. I used to carry a gun in my purse. And at that time, in the state of Texas, it was illegal. So I reached for my purse on the ground next to me and realized that about three months earlier, I had made the stupidest decision of my life. My gun was 100 yards away out in my car because I did what most normal people would do. You think, oh, what are the odds of my needing it in the middle of the day in a crowded restaurant? So here was this guy with his guns, with complete control over the restaurant, and I had no way of going against him. I remember looking at my purse and thinking, what do I do now, throw my purse at him?
1: When Jason got out of his vehicle and started opening fire, Susanna's dad rushed toward Jason in an attempt to disarm him. He sacrificed his own life to save others.
2: My father who was on the floor next to me, took my attention. And he said, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. He's going to kill everybody in here. And my attention completely turned to him. And I grabbed him by the shirt collar. And I tried to hold him down. And I said, yeah, but you can't go at him. You can't do anything. But when he saw what he thought was an opportunity, he broke loose from me and ran at the guy. The bad guy had total control. And he simply turned, saw my dad coming, and shot my father in the chest as I got to that back window I stumbled through it I fell down into the broken glass lost a shoe and I promptly kicked off the other one so I could sprint I only went maybe 10 or 12 feet when I ran into my manager friend who came out a side door a kitchen door and he said thank God you're all right I said yeah but dad's been hitting it's bad And I turned to say something to my mother, and that was the very first time I realized she hadn't followed me out. It it hadn't occurred to me at the time when I was running out the building, but my parents had just had their 47th wedding anniversary two weeks prior to this event. Mom wasn't going anywhere without Dad. I had no idea where my mother was. I had no idea where the gunman was. I was scared at that point. And one of my uh, Patience was a police officer out by his car. He had helped to set up a perimeter. And he made a hand signal to me telling me to stay back.
1: While Susanna's mother held her dying husband, Jason walked up to her and shot her in the head, instantly killing her. Seeing her parents being murdered right in front of her inspired Susanna to do something to try and stop such a massacre from happening again. Susanna served in the Texas House of Representatives from November 15th, 1996 until January 9th, 2007. She was also an advocate for a person's right to carry concealed weapons.
2: One of the things that they saw was a woman on the floor cradling an older man who had obviously been mortally wounded. They said at that point they saw a 30-something-year-old man walk up to her, gun to her head. They said she looked up at him, put her head down, and he pulled the trigger. And of course, that woman was my mother.
1: Louis Caraballo was at Luby's enjoying lunch with his boss. Louis worked as a service manager in the automotive department at the local Walmart. When the truck crashed through the window, the impact had knocked Mr. Caraballo unconscious because the truck crashed right at the table where Louis and his boss, Tom, were seated. When Louis finally awoke from his unconsciousness, He tried as hard as he could to focus on what just happened. Before he could even think another thought, Lewis was struck with a bullet in his back. He later described the feeling of being shot as his whole body felt like it was on fire. He could hear the shooter Jason walking around the restaurant, talking and shooting. Lewis was able to get out of the building before collapsing outside the door. He had to spend weeks in the hospital. The doctors removed his spleen and a kidney, as well as parts of his stomach. He still suffers from some side effects, but for the most part, he remains in good health. Unfortunately, Tom, Lewis's boss, wouldn't have the same luck as Tom was one of the victims that died at the scene after being shot. We will be right back after these short messages Killeen, Texas, is most well-known for being home to the Fort Hood military base. In 1991, Killeen had a population of about 65,000 people, which were primarily military service members and their families. Jason the Shooter lived in Belton, Texas. He drove about 19 miles from his home in Belton to Luby's Restaurant, located at 1705 East Central Texas Expressway. Luby's Cafeteria, which is now known as Luby's Incorporated, is a restaurant chain that operates under a few different brands, including Fudruckers, Cuckoo Roo, and Cheeseburger in Paradise. While the restaurant was founded in San Antonio, Texas, the different restaurants can now be found all over the country, as well as in Canada and in Puerto Rico. Bob Luby opened the first restaurant in 1947 with a simple goal in mind to serve good and fresh food as well as offer a family setting where people wanted to come back again and again. The restaurant is most known for being popular with families and senior citizens. On October 16, 1991, Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas employed about 45 employees. While we don't know for certain how many employees were working on the day of the shooting, we do know that none of the employees were killed.
3: This is what you'd cook if you had the time, but since you don't, you go to Luby's Cafeteria, good food from good people. How do you make mouth-watering desserts like these? The same way you eat them, you take your own sweet time. Luby's Cafeteria, good food from good people. Just because we cook everything here doesn't mean you have to eat it here. Take home a home-cooked meal from Luby's Cafeteria, good food to go from good people.
1: As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Jason's background history is a lot like the other shooters that we have covered in this podcast. He was born on October 15th, 1956 in Sayre, Pennsylvania. He had celebrated his birthday the day before he carried out the massacre. He grew up in a relatively normal military family. His father was an orthopedic surgeon and would travel around the country working at different army hospitals, and his mom was a homemaker. He had two younger siblings, a brother and a sister. Jason went to Mayfield High School and graduated in 1974. He immediately signed with the Navy and spent three years enlisted before being honorably discharged. In 1983, his parents divorced. His dad moved to Houston, Texas, and his mom moved to Henderson, Nevada. After being honorably discharged from the Navy, Jason signed on with the Merchant Marine in 1977. The Merchant Marines are a fleet of ships that provide transport services. In the time of war, the merchant marines are called upon to move troops, supplies, and equipment. When the United States is not involved in a war, it is called peacetime. During peacetime, the merchant marines do both imports and exports. Members of the merchant marines must hold on able-bodied seaman's license to be able to work on the ships. Jason was proud of his able-bodied seaman's license and really enjoyed his work on the ocean. His experience as a mariner, however, was anything but smooth sailing. He never made any friends on the ships where he worked, and he always kept to himself. Jason's fellow mariners commented on his behavior while on the ship. He was very argumentative, had an explosive temper, and was constantly swearing and cursing. Jason never lasted very long on any of the ships he was assigned to, as he never really got along with any of his supervisors or fellow mariners. In May of 1982, Jason had his able-bodied seaman's license suspended because he made racial remarks and got into an argument with another mariner. Around this same time, Jason was also arrested for possession of marijuana in the state of Texas. In 1989, Jason actually lost his able-bodied seaman's license indefinitely because a bag of marijuana was found in his room aboard the ship he was working on, called Green Wave. The ship was returning to the United States after traveling to Asia, and it was docked in Oakland, California. Just prior to having his license taken away, Before that incident, Jason was put on a six-month-long suspension for kicking a fellow mariner, as well as failing to obey the captain. After he was stripped of his seaman's license, he admitted himself into a drug treatment program at St. Joseph Hospital in Houston, Texas, from July 14th to the 31st of 1991, for his marijuana use. In February of 1991, Jason appealed the appeal decision regarding his seaman's license. Ultimately, that appeal would be denied. Later, Jason commented that losing his seaman's license was like having a little bit of him die. Being a mariner was just who he was. After he lost his license, he drifted from job to job, mostly in construction. A week and a half before committing the shooting, Jason went to a cement plant that he had been working at for a short time to pick up his paycheck. After receiving his check, he told the supervisors at the plant that he quit. He was then unemployed and remained unemployed until the shooting. Since Jason was unemployed, he was living at his mother's mansion at the time of the crime. He seemed to be able to concentrate on the failures in his life, and he was combative, impatient, ruined, and troubled. He didn't have many friends, if any. Most people that knew him were just acquaintances and didn't consider him as a friend. While he did have many terrible qualities, no one ever thought that he was capable of such an awful crime. Shortly before the shooting... Two sisters, 19-year-old Jenna Jerrigan and 23-year-old Jill Fritz, reported Jason to the police for stalking them. Jenna and Jill lived just blocks away from Jason, and they both noticed that they were running into him more and more frequently. It then got to the point that Jason was being just plain creepy. He started driving by their house constantly, making a point to stop his vehicle and get the girls' attention by waving at them. Jason showed up at their places of work and started showing up at the local establishments the girls frequented. The tipping point though was when Jason sent both of the girls a five-page handwritten letter including three pictures of himself. In the letter he talked very negatively about women even going as far as calling them vipers. Jana and Jill reported this behavior and the letter to the police but since Jason had never done or said anything that was technically threatening there wasn't anything that they could do. There were so many other odd behaviors that Jason was prone to. One person said he always carried a backpack with him and wouldn't leave it alone or let anyone touch it. Others described Jason as always being in a hurry. He is what some would call a clean freak and always made sure his truck was nicely kept and his lawn immaculate. That's another reason that made this massacre strange. It was bizarre that Jason, who was so obsessed with keeping his truck clean, would then go and crash it into a large window, severely damaging it. The firearms that Jason used on the day of the massacre were legally registered to him, and he followed all the correct steps in obtaining the firearms. They were registered to Jason in Las Vegas. The guns were bought in February of 1991 from a gun shop in Henderson, Nevada. The name of the gun store was Mike's Gun House, which was owned by Michael Buchanan.
3: Purchased the weapons earlier this year in Henderson, Nevada, where his mother lives. Both guns were registered with the Las Vegas Police Department. Emptied a half dozen ammunition clips that were capable of holding 100 bullets police say no narcotics were found in pickup truck or at his home
1: after the shooting a pink granite memorial was built and put on display at the Colleen Community Center. The massacre date and the names of all the victims were engraved in the memorial Luby's restaurant reopened a few months after the shooting but then closed permanently in September of 2000. As of 2019, there is a Chinese buffet restaurant that occupies the space where Luby's once stood. At the time, the Luby's Massacre was the largest mass murder in United States history. In our episodes of Active Shooter, we try and stress the topic, if you see something, please say something. In addition, make sure that you check up on your friends, even if you haven't talked to them in a while, and see a troubling Facebook post or a tweet on Twitter. Check in with them, make sure they are okay, and let them know that you are there for them. You may not know what is going on in their head, but that person could just be looking for someone to reach out to them. And remember, if you see something, say something. Make sure to also check us out on social media. We have a newly formed discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at ActiveThePodcast and Twitter at Podcast Active. For just a dollar a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to www.patreon.com slash activethepodcast. Thank you, and be safe. Sources. Leanne Hart, Tracy Wood, Michael Kennedy, and Richard Serrano from the LA Times. Amani Payne from Channel 6. Jack Keys from ReportingTexas.com. Paula Chin from People.com. Thomas C. Hayes from the New York Times. Abby Carney from the Texas Monthly, Cron.com, Robert Walsh from CrimeMagazine.com.